BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense, which, as we've seen, is not that common anymore. You know, have you noticed that violent crime is up all over America? Carjackings, smash and grab. Uh, You don't even feel safe anymore. People are changing their plans. People who used to say, let's go out and have dinner tonight, other than the fact that you can't afford it. Uh, Now you're afraid to go out there because uh, something may happen. And that's not the America that we grew up in. And yet, America's premier law enforcement agency, the FBI, said, "Eh, maybe that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is let's go and raid Mar-a-Lago. And let's see if we can find something there. Maybe the president has some classified documents or something. That's more important and the fact that our citizens don't feel safe. It's very, very interesting. It's starting to seem more like a banana republic. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, when Hillary Clinton was erasing all of those emails and asset-washing her hard drive, and uh, Hunter Biden's doing all kinds of despicable things, and we've got Russian misinformation going on. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And the Department of Justice didn't think very much about all those things. But now, suddenly, you know, nobody is above the law. And uh, we got to deal with all this right now. I mean, this is for you, the American people. Does that seem a little strange? I think it is. Well, everyone, it's Ben Carson, your host, and uh, I want to welcome our fantastic guest, our great patriot and friend, Matt Whitaker. Matt was the former acting attorney general, former U.S. attorney, co-chair of the Center for Law and Justice at America First Policy Institute, and also the author of Above the Law, the inside story of how the Justice Department tried to subvert President Trump. And uh, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. I know you have a very busy dance card these days, (laughs) uh, given uh, your position in our society. And, you know, I'd like to start off by asking you, 
you know, what's the latest in terms of the Mar-a-Lago raid and what are we to make of all of this? Well, it's so good to be on with you, uh, Dr. Carson, uh, Secretary Carson, uh, and, you know, and my friend Ben. Um, you know, I have been following this situation since it happened uh, a week ago. And as we sit here today, there's more questions today than we've ever had. And, you know, the, but I want to start with sort of the, you know, as an old football player, uh, I want to start with the basic blocking and tackling. Um, and the things that concern me the most are, you know, the Department of Justice chose to execute a search warrant. They had a lot of other means, uh, less intrusive means um, to obtain this information. And the first thing that as I look at it is why, why now, why last Monday? And what was the exigent circumstance that required them to immediately go in there and get this information. And as I process that through my experience um, at the Department of Justice, the only conclusion I can come to is that they wanted a high profile uh, public acknowledgement of the investigation uh, into President Trump for what's characterized as a mishandling of classified information. Um, I think this is directly related to their investigation on January 6th. You see how broad the warrant was when they released it over the weekend, and it allows them to grab a lot of things, including what's now being reported as many boxes of attorney-client privileged documents of the former president. Yeah, exactly. It does seem rather strange because he's been out of office for 18 months, and all of a sudden, this is a you know, five-alarm fire emergency. <laughs> we got to go in and do all this right now. And uh, you know, he had been cooperating, and promise to continue cooperating. So, you know, it's very strange that it's taken so long for them to come up with a story hmm. of, of why this is uh, so vital. I, I think you're still working on that, China. But isn't that the way that totalitarian governments always start? They start doing stuff and then, well, we don't necessarily have to explain ourselves. I mean, this is who we are. We're the powerful. And uh, it really is so antithetical to the way that America is supposed to work. You know, whether, whether the president did something wrong or not, you know, there is a reasonable way to find out. And uh, it should be done in a transparent way, because I think one of the biggest problems that we face as a nation right now is distrust. Uh, no one trusts, you know, the DOJ anymore after this. Yeah. We didn't trust the CDC, don't trust the NIH, don't trust the Fed. Everybody's given us false information. Uh, and then what makes it even worse, it's not so much that people can't make a mistake because, you know, they're human beings, they make mistakes, but they never admit it. They never say, you know, we got that wrong and uh, we're sorry. You never hear that coming out of the government these days, and that's a real problem. But, you know, another thing that's very interesting and troubling is, you know, violent crime is on the rise across our country. I just want to deviate for a moment and, and ask you, you know, as the former acting attorney general, uh, chief law enforcement officer of the country, why do you think violent 
crime is on the rise in our country. Yeah, I, I think it's directly related to what's now referred to as either the Minneapolis effect or what's the old Ferguson effect, which is the in our major cities, the political leadership, which the police officers and police chiefs work for, has not supported uh, the men and women that wear blue and that we count on to run to the sound of chaos uh, and to save lives and who answers the phone on 911. It is, um, if you look at these cities where you have this rise in violent crime, there are two things that have happened. One is the political leadership has not supported police. And in fact, they've defunded or cut the budgets of the police. And at the same time, that's been coupled with radical prosecutors who are unwilling to do the cases. For example, Dr. Carson, we have in New York City a situation where while the police arrest people that illegally possess guns, uh, the prosecutors are dismissing 80 to 85 percent of those cases uh, without any consequence for the person who not only possesses a gun, but most likely was going to use that gun as a trigger puller uh, or as a potential murderer. And so this is where the police don't feel supported. They can't get their cases that they actually do uh, prosecuted. And so what else? Human nature would suggest that they're not going to press in to this problem and, and criminals see it as well as anybody else. And coupled with that is those pr same prosecutors are not doing the, you know, what I would refer to as, I guess, low level violations of the law, but, you know, the breaking and entering the uh, what sometimes called nonviolent offenses, but they're, you know, violent to the victims. And, and you just you end up with a demoralized police force that is having a hard time not only retaining the current members of law enforcement, but recruiting uh, new members of law enforcement. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, think about the poor citizens. I mean, we should not have to be worried when we go out of our house. Uh, in many cases, we have to be worried being in your house. Somebody may yeah. come in and start harassing you. Uh, and you may not even be able to get police backup. And then if you shoot them, you may go to jail. I mean, it is really a, a terrible yeah. situation that's going to require some significant uh, input when we get the right people in office. And, and I'm not talking about Democrats versus Republicans. I'm talking about people who believe in our country, believe in our Constitution, and believe in the rule of law. They can come from any political persuasion. And we really need to get rid of the terrible partisanship that exists. Uh, I think it exists for a reason. I think there are people who are trying to foment uh, the distrust amongst individuals and make us think that we're each other's enemies, and we are not each other's enemies by any stretch of the imagination. But if they can get us to believe that and manipulate us, uh, then that, that takes them along their goals. And then you look yep. at things like the, the George Floyd situation. Uh, it was played incessantly and talked about incessantly to the point where most people were starting to think that unarmed black men are being killed by police all the time, that this was a regular event. And it is not. Uh, it is far from regular. In fact, as I pointed out in my most recent book, uh, Created Equal, the number of police civilian encounters per year in America 
is over 50 million. Mm -hmm. The number of unarmed black men killed by the police per year, according to the Washington Post, that bastion of conservative thought is less than two dozen. So, you know, any number is too many, but I mean, we're talking about something that's vanishingly rare. And, and yet is manipulated into people thinking that. So we, we do have a, a problem not only with the crime, but with the way that it is portrayed in our society. Well, and Dr. Carson, if you don't mind, um, and I don't have an answer. I've, I've thought a lot about this, um, both when I was inside the Department of Justice, but especially in the summer of 2020. Uh, what happened uh, to George Floyd was inexcusable. Obviously, the police did not follow their policies and procedures, and four officers have been prosecuted both by uh, the state of Minnesota and by the federal government for civil rights violations, and everyone's seen the video and knows what happened. The question I have for you that I can't seem to have anybody answer for me, and I don't expect an answer for you because it's it's a really an unanswerable question, but is that happened in Minneapolis. The Minneapolis Police Department works for a Democrat mayor and a Democrat city council. And in fact, if you look at the makeup of, of that city council, I don't think there's a single Republican uh, to be found. But that being said, why within the week, and I think it was within days of George Floyd's death, did we have protests and some violent protests outside of the White House? Uh, the, 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 the connection that was made, and it looked like a very well-funded, organized connection that somehow what a Minneapolis police department and its officers did uh, to George Floyd was somehow related in any manner or means to Donald Trump and the presidency and the executive branch uh, was a complete false narrative. But, you know, the the, the news media ran with it. Uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, we had mostly peaceful, fiery protests. If you remember that famous Chiron on uh, MSNBC with the city uh, burning behind, uh, I think it was uh, Velshi. And, you know, I just, um, obviously there is a, there was an organized desire to take that event and somehow blame Donald Trump for it. And I just think that was um, unfair then. It was, it's unfair now. And, you know, the political violence should never be um, the answer, but you know, we have to treat it the same way, whether it's committed by those on the left or whether it's committed by those on the right. And that's, you know, the two tiered system of justice that, you know, I talk yeah. about all the time that the American people, to your point, just can't stand for. That is, that is so on point. And, you know, it really is disturbing that the media has played such a large role in all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had an honest media, they would be making sure that people understood all the things that you just said instead of, uh, you know, basically being lapdogs for those who are trying to fundamentally change our society. Mm -hmm. And what they don't realize is that when socialists and communist regimes take full power, the first thing they do is totally control the media. Yeah. They don't realize that they're preparing their own doom. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of, that, but I hope we can get them to realize that as time goes on. You know, another uh, thing that I think is, is very concerning is uh, you remember last year, the Department of Justice bought into a false narrative that parents who were interested in taking part in their children's education were terrorists. Mm-hmm. And it should be treated as such. 
And of course, the backlash was so severe, they kind of backed off of that. But I think that had a lot to do with the election outcome in Virginia, quite frankly. Yeah. And your opening, I think, really captured that feeling is what are the priorities of the Department of Justice? Uh, You know, it's parents at school board meetings. It's passengers on airplanes that don't want to wear masks. And now it's obviously the continued obsession with Donald Trump uh, in in trying to investigate him uh, until he finally, I guess, gives up fighting back, which is never going to happen. You and I both know that. Uh, But, you know, I just think that the, you know, the Department of Justice should be focused on, to your point, the basic blocking and tackling of law enforcement, reducing violent crime in America, ending child sex trafficking at our southern border, you know, Mm -hmm. protecting our citizens so that every child, no matter what neighborhood or socioeconomic class, can play safely in their front yard. So, you know, that's something you and I I know Absolutely. both feel strongly about, and I join you in in, in any effort uh, to make that happen. Well, thank you. And uh, we're here today with uh, Matt Whitaker. I think everybody knows who he is, a former acting attorney general. And we will be back in one minute. Please stay with us. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, and we're back again with uh, former acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. He's been in lots of different roles, but that's the the one that uh, is most relevant to all the things that are going on right now in our society. You know, when we look at some of the things that have been done in the past uh, by presidential candidates, Secretary of State, uh, relatives of president, uh, with little or nothing being done about it. And then we see something like what happened at Mar-a-Lago. We have to ask ourselves the question, do we have a two-tiered justice system? And if we do, is it of recent origin or is this something that's been going on for a long time? What do you think? Yeah, well, I I mean, unfortunately, the perception uh, has become the reality, and that is is that we do have a two-tiered system of justice. And I'll just give you some examples, um, you know, from really modern history. We had, obviously, the Russian collusion uh, fable, which was investigated uh, and covered breathlessly by the media. But ultimately, you had um, Andy McCabe place the sitting president of the United States into a criminal investigation as a target that triggered, you know, Rod Rosenstein to appoint a special counsel and Bob Mueller. And that investigation uh, spent millions, tens of millions of dollars. And ultimately, the report, if anybody read it over 400 pages, um, said that the president of the United States had and his campaign had no connection to the Russian government, uh, full stop. And so that, you know, that started kind of what it was believed to be a, you know, kind of this constant and ongoing uh, desire to investigate Donald Trump. At the same time, 
you can't uh, help but uh, notice uh, what happened to Hillary Clinton and how she was declined. They declined to prosecute her, as you remember of James Comey famously saying no reasonable prosecutor uh, would bring that case uh, for her having a private email server where she exchanged uh, lots of classified and highly classified information. You have the Hunter Biden situation where there are recordings and pictures of him committing various uh, federal crimes, including being a drug dealer in drug user in possession of a firearm and uh, possessing quantities of crack cocaine that are uh, an amount of distribution quantity. You have, Mm -hmm. you know, just so many other examples where, you know, the left is not prosecuted and people like Donald Trump are prosecuted, you know, to the fullest extent uh, of, of all available laws, both at federal and state level. And so, you know, Dr. Carson, I think it's hard not to believe that there are two different systems and, and, and our republic will not be able to last another 250 years if we don't get this uh, back to a normal balance where while no one is above the law, we cannot have people that are below the law and are cons- constantly harassed and investigated in hopes of finding something. Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh, you had Peter Navarro. Mm hmm. A uh, high-profile individual harassed at an airport, put in handcuffs, put in leg irons, put in solitary confinement. His crime: contempt of Congress. Mm-hmm. A and then you had Eric Holder, mm-hmm. very high-profile, also contempt of Congress. Nothing. Yep. Absolutely nothing. Not a whisper. And, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just sit back and watch this stuff? And is there anything that can be done? Or are we helpless as American citizens who are seeing all of these transgressions going on? Yeah, I think we need transparency out of the Department of Justice. We need better explanations uh, than we have received to date uh, about all these things. Uh, you know, the, the Eric Holder uh, declining to prosecute him for contempt of Congress. He was held in contempt because he was unwilling to um, share the information on the Fast and Furious project uh, that was selling uh, illegal guns to Mexican drug cartels, resulting in the deaths of Americans. Uh, And, you know, again, he was held in contempt, not prosecuted. You have Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon, among others, uh, that are have been or are being prosecuted. And we just you know, again, it, it is another example, to your point of the perception that we have a two-tiered system of justice and that the Justice Department is going to be used as a political instrument to punish Joe Biden and his administration's political enemies. It's very, very dangerous. And quite frankly, for you know people like you and I, it is a scary proposition. It seems like they uh, just kind of thumb their nose at us and say, yeah, uh, maybe you don't like it, but just too bad. You know, it was it was John Adams who said that our Constitution and our system was designed for a moral and religious people, and is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. Mm-hmm. It seems like we have any other right now, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be governing it very well. It's something that I, I hope that Congress, who has the ultimate oversight, will begin to recognize that. You can't just let these things stand. 
we can't just all sit around and complain about them and let them stand. And I hope that the American citizens recognized that our Constitution did provide a mechanism uh, for dealing with abject corruption, and it's called a ballot box. And people need to realize that this is one of their most valuable tools. Uh, but it also means that we have to be willing to fight. You know, like the people in Virginia, they all got out there, they volunteered. They covered 96% of the voting precincts. And they insisted that they be able to actually observe what was going on. They couldn't be 25 or 100 feet away, so they couldn't see what was going on. You don't accept that. You don't just sit down and say, okay, that's what you say, that's what we'll do. No, we don't do that. Um, and those are blatant things. And I, I think we have to, we the people, have to recognize that the responsibility lies with us if we're going to preserve freedom for those who come after us. Because as Ronald Reagan said, our freedom is never more than one generation away. All we have to do is take our eye off the ball and you can see how quickly it goes away. But I wanted to ask you, um, you know, Director uh, Chris Ray testified recently. Did anything of significance come out of his testimony to Congress? Well, it, it didn't. It didn't. You know, Chris Ray is a very smart and talented uh, person, uh, and he's somebody I worked directly with. I think Americans should go back and watch or listen, especially Ted Cruz's discussion with Director Ray. Um, you know, I, I I just talked to Ted Cruz, uh, Senator from Texas, as part of my uh, show, Liberty and Justice. And, you know, we talked about some of the, the challenges at the FBI. But, you know, the FBI um, has been politicized. There are over a dozen whistleblowers that have come to either Chuck Grassley or uh, Ron Johnson. Uh, and, yeah, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, well, we can talk about that. But they so those whistleblowers have come and they've talked about the politicization uh, of the DOJ and especially the FBI. And the fact uh, that um, I'll just give you one example, and then we can get get into your question. But the example that I point to uh, that is well known is that the, when Hunter Biden's laptop was originally discovered in October of 2020, uh, of course, reporters, as you know how Washington works, reporters call uh, everybody they know at the FBI and the Department of Justice, especially those that are on that type of case. And they ask, is this a real thing? And those people, you know, off the record, not for attribution, so you'll never see the fingerprints of these folks on it, they suggested that it was Russian disinformation. And then at the same time, you had 50-plus members from the you know, Democrat intelligence community uh, that also said that this was Russian disinformation. Well, lo and behold, uh, you know, it wasn't. It was the real deal. It was Hunter's laptop, and it had evidence of many and multiple federal crimes on it. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, the fact that, that these federal agents came forward uh, seems pretty encouraging to me. Uh, and maybe that might encourage some others to come forward, too. Because, you know, we have to recognize, the people who, who work in government have to recognize that their allegiance is to the people. It's not to a particular party or a particular leader. But their duty is to uphold the Constitution. And before they took those jobs, they swore that that's what they would do. 
And I, I think we have to keep reminding uh, of them of that. But, you know, as a country, the rule of law obviously has some pretty deep cracks in it right now. Yeah. And uh, it's very harmful to our country and to our way of life. How do we regain confidence in our government institutions and law enforcement? I mean, what, what should the DOJ and the FBI be doing to get that back? Or, or, is, it, or is it too late? Well, so I think we need some reformation uh, at the FBI, especially, but at DOJ, I think we need to look at kind of their structure and how they do business and, and see if there's a, a better way, see if there's a way to maybe even um, divide it uh, into an, an other, you know, in a couple possible units or agencies. I'm a little cautious on that front only because I know that that will just cause instead of one uh, agency growing that'll call cause two agencies to grow uh, and metastasize because you know remember Reagan said it best as government expands liberty contracts and right. so I just you know I'd be I'd be cautious and I'd want to make sure there's some very serious guardrails about the scope creep that we see in a lot of federal agencies and especially sometimes in federal law enforcement the other thing is very simple but profound at the same time and that is we got to get back to the the basics of law enforcement and you know that is you know doing the right cases for the right reasons having the correct priorities and at the same time making sure that we have people who have a strong adherence to the rule of law who don't try to put their thumb on the scale who don't try to peek from underneath the blindfold and you know kind of affect uh, elections and affect politics and it's going to be a long-term project that i just I, I don't know if we have the right people in place um, today to accomplish that. Unfortunately, you know, those right. whistleblowers point out a very uh, concerning trend, which is there are partisans that are doing law enforcement at the federal level and and it's hurting our nation. But yeah. we're going to need leaders. We're going to need brave uh, leaders that are willing to roll up their sleeves and uh, and do this work. And I, and I just hope that, you know, to your point, the American people put individuals into the executive branch and the presidency uh, over the long term uh, that will surround themselves with people that are of the not only the highest uh, moral character, but also are willing to do the hard work of taking on the bureaucracy um, of federal law enforcement. Well, we appreciate having people like you looking in on the, on the situation. But what do you think is going to be the role of these 87,000 new IRS agents. I, I remember in 2013 when I gave the National Prayer Breakfast, within weeks of that, I had my first audit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, I think, one of the most concerning um, phenomenons uh, in, in this law that's passed that adds, uh, really pluses up um, you know, the IRS, I think is, you know, they can't help themselves, but getting involved in every American's life. And, you know, the whole idea of having these extra agents, Dr. Carson is to raise money. And so they essentially have a bounty. These 87,000 agents have a bounty on, you know, going and getting more money out of the American people. I just don't believe that most Americans cheat on their taxes. In fact, I'm, I'm guarantee you knowing, my fellow American citizens, that, that it's a very small part. But, you know, to find more money to pay for these radical left-wing uh, agenda items in this bill, they're going to sick uh, more IRS agents after ordinary Americans, assuming 
that they're cheating and making them prove that they're not. Yeah, and spending a lot of money in the process. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to report that they, they never found anything in my audits, which they did for the next couple of years. And they're not going to find anything because they're not going to do anything wrong that I know of. And uh, you'll remember how the left came after all of uh, Donald Trump's secretaries for one thing or another. For me, you know, it was he spent $31,000 on a table. Oh, what about your garbage? Yeah. And the IG spent over a million dollars of taxpayers' money investigating it before they came up with zero because there was zero to come up with. And then something else they said, my wife had an office at HUD and my son was involved in decision-making. Oh, all kinds of garbage. Yeah. Uh, $2 million of taxpayer money into that. Instead of, and of course they found nothing because there was nothing to find. But, you know, why waste the government's money? Why not actually do things that are valuable to the people of our country? And you've been doing that. I want to thank you for that. And we'll be back with our last segment in just one moment. Hey, and welcome back to Common Sense. I'm Dr. Ben Carson. I'm here with former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, an author, a former United States attorney, a podcast host, even a Big Ten football star. I bet you didn't know that about him, did you? <laughs> There's all kinds of things. But uh, Matt, let's talk about your book, Above the Law, the yeah. inside story of how the Justice Department tried to subvert President Trump. Why did you write that book? Well, as you know, I was at the Department of Justice at a very uh, critical moment in American history. Uh, it was in the middle of the Mueller investigation. And uh, I saw a lot of things uh, that, you know, sort of that are a continuation of some of these topics we've talked about today. And, and I just felt like it was important to tell an unvarnished, true story. Uh, you know, it was obviously... Uh, with an angle that I have a lot of respect and admiration for President Trump and what he accomplished uh, in office. And while I was there, you know, I saw a lot of good things. But at the same time, I had to uh, tell the story and, and, and really give the, uh, you know, footnoted history of how we ended up, you know, at the Mueller investigation and and make sure that by telling that story, it never happens to another American president again. Unfortunately, um, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to do an above the law, too, uh, that picks up uh, and, and talks about the issues that we're dealing with today. Absolutely. And there are a lot of them. Uh, well, interestingly enough, I think much of the problems, many of the problems that we're facing today are secondary to the propagation of misinformation uh, and manipulation by the mainstream media. And of course, the press is the only business protected by our Constitution. No other business. And that was because they were supposed to disseminate unbiased information. They're not doing that. That's a problem. Can you see any potential solution to that? Yeah, it's a huge problem. And you and I have both been victims of uh, not only unfair, but untrue um, stories uh, during our time in the Trump administration. I, you know, I think we're moving back. If you look at American history, um, you know, sort of the 
partisanship of the press has ebbed and flowed. Um, and I think we're at a point now where uh, it's going back to having uh, partisan media outlets. I, I, I just can't imagine uh, a way that we're not going to be back to sort of our Civil War era, kind of 1850 to 1900s. You know, after Watergate, there was a belief that somehow the mainstream media was going to be unbiased and was going to tell the truth. And that franchise that they took advantage of uh, obviously helped one political party on the left by manipulating, uh, you know, really outside of the sight of the American people, the news and feeding them a a partisan, um, you know, screed and partisan stories. And I think now the American people, there's more outlets than there's ever been. And I think that's a good thing. And I think, you know, you should seek out uh, not only a diverse um, amount of, of news, but, uh, you know, obviously the veracity is so important uh, as to, because, you know, most news now is commentary. There's very little yeah. actually of news events that happen. You know, we have um, press conferences all the time, but those aren't news. We have very, very little is actually being done. So most is commentary and opinion. Uh, and so we need to, as those that you know digest and, and are users of the media, uh, we need to be very discerning as to where we get our information and make sure we understand that most information is, quite frankly, complete garbage. Uh, and and, and, we, and some of us, including myself, need to maybe get a life by not paying <laughs> so much attention to the ebbs and flows of the news and, uh, you know, kind of going out and uh, whether it's, you know, painting the deck or mowing the yard or doing, you know, taking care of the family. I think we need to all, you know, kind of consume less news, but make sure we're very careful as to where we get that news from. Well, one thing that uh, has been very helpful are podcasts like yours. Uh, that that help people to actually see the truth, and I think that may be the thing that actually saves us: the fact that uh, decent and honest people are are actually able to get their voices heard. And uh, I just want to thank you for being with us today. I I know your dance card is very full, and you probably got more media to do today. And I I appreciate you coming and talking to us and sharing your wisdom and for the work that you're doing to help save our nation. Well, I likewise, I have a big fan of yours. And I think if the American people um, really appreciated kind of how talented of a surgeon you were and how you, instead of pursued that uh, through the, you know, you decided that you would become a public servant, run for president, ultimately serve in the cabinet. And I think you're, you know, the as they say, the best is yet to come for you. And so I'm excited uh, to be a friend and an ally and uh, a fellow patriot. Uh, and it's my honor to be on your show. Uh, I think, you know, what you're doing and, and sharing with the American people, uh, your perspectives is so important. So thank you for having me on. And let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back with my closing comments and prescription for you for this week. Welcome back, and uh, thanks to Matthew Whitaker for taking time out to be with us today. And you can listen to his podcast, Liberty and Justice with Matt Whitaker, uh, through the regular channels. You know, never in my lifetime did I think we would see our governmental 
institutions uh, using their power and influence to to persecute and intimidate Americans who have different political views. I mean, people wanted to have freedom of speech and freedom of thought. That's why they came to America. And now we're seeing things that remind us of Chairman Mao in China or Castro in Cuba. And uh, people seeing our constitutional rights as obstacles to their ever-ascending desire for totalitarian control. And of course, when you say things like that, they say, oh, they're just conspiracy theorists. Oh, well, what did they know? What are they talking about? Well, you don't have to believe what I'm saying. All you have to do is open your eyes and open your ears and listen to your heart. We all know that there's a big problem going on in our country right now. People have lost faith in government. The CDC, the NIH, the Department of Justice, the Fed, everybody's losing confidence. How can we have a strong country when the people don't believe in our government? What happens if we actually wind up in a real war if people don't believe in our government? And we could easily end up in a real war because we're becoming weaker and weakness invites war. So just remember, we don't want to neglect our founding principles, the things that made us into a great nation. We cared about each other. We had a strong sense of community and purpose and faith. We believed in God. We believed there was right and there was wrong. What has happened since we threw those things out? What happened in our school systems when there is no right or wrong? When we can redefine science according to our political beliefs, what is the end result of that? Go back and read the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. You'll see a lot of stuff going on that reminds you of what's going on here today. Well. Let me leave you with your common sense prescription for this week. I'm going to plug something that I'm very proud of at the American Cornerstone Institute. It's called our Little Patriots Program, looking out for the children. And uh, we're going to be uh, doing a national tour, bringing our Little Patriots Program attention to it to various communities in our country. And uh, I'd like you to go to our website. That would be littlepatriotslearning.com and fill out the form there. Tell us about your community, about the homeschooling, the private schooling, the public schooling, the church programs that align nicely with Little Patriots. Because we might want to come to your community and talk about it and see how we can enhance the program. We have to make sure that our children know the real history of our country, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I got to tell you, there's a whole lot more good than there is bad and ugly.
and we have to put it in perspective. What a difference it will make. And please subscribe for free to our Apple Podcasts or go to Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Evaluate us, rate us, tell your friends and family about us. We want to keep growing. We want people to know that America is a place full of people with common sense. Until next week, remember, faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.